This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 8th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, I certainly hope you all enjoyed a safe Memorial Day holiday. I most certainly enjoyed my time off, and one year later, I still got a kick out of hearing myself on terrestrial radio with the affable Atlanta afternoon drive host, Mark Aram, talking chicken wings on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. It doesn't feel like a year since I actually recorded that episode, but it was, in fact, right to the day. So let me give thanks to you again for indulging me the extra little bit of fun I had while I know that this episode had absolutely nothing to do with franchising, but what the heck. The host should be able to poll rank at least once a year, don't you think? Well, today we're back to business as usual, and I've just returned from speaking at the Interactive Customer Experience Summit in Columbus, Ohio, hosted by NetWorld Media and sponsored in part by our friends at Atmosphere TV. I'm sure at the same time as I was in Ohio, many of you were in New York at the IFE, and I'm anxious to hear from any of you about how this year's show was, and compared to last year, I'm certain it had to be just 100% better without anyone having to show vaccination proof to gain entry to the hall. Hey, on another note, a big shout out today to my forever friend and Apple Pie Capital's Chief Development Officer, Ron Feldman. I just discovered that Ron is resting comfortably as he recovers from, of all things, a triple bypass. Holy shimoli. Ron, please get well soon. And on that note, a quick break here, and I'll return in two minutes or less with this week's guest, none other than serial entrepreneur and brand builder himself, Dave Kyle, President and Chief Operating Officer at Franworth. So don't go away. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with more than 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with more than 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV. TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you in 
Instead of watching the clock and their wait times, chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. One can only wonder what it might be like to be surrounded in business by leaders the likes of David Barr, current and past chair of dozens of boards of franchise brands and those of restaurant concepts, both on the Zor and Z side, as well as being nothing less than past chair of the IFA board itself and IFA Entrepreneur of the Year. Yes, what must it be like to work side-by-side with Franworth founder and CEO John Rachi, another serial entrepreneur, accomplished award winner, a mentor, and let's not forget... Drew Brees, franchising entrepreneur extraordinaire, and yes, we're talking about the same Drew Brees that for years led the New Orleans Saints, taking them to the Super Bowl while himself personally earning Super Bowl MVP honors in 2009. Come on, what must it be like to be the president of a company surrounded by this type of leadership? What do you say we ask him about all of that and more right here, right now on Franchise Today? Dave Kyle. Welcome to Franchise Today. Stan, hey, thanks so much. It's uh, my absolute pleasure to be here. Well, I share that pleasure with you. It's a rare day that I find people that have been around this business doing as many great things as you've been doing that I haven't met before. So it just humbles me some sometimes that there is still for every person we think we know and for all those connections that we have, the small world we live in is growing. And with that growth comes the opportunity to say, hmm, there are people like Dave Kyle that are going to be on my podcast. Why don't I know this guy yet? And here we are to fix that today. Well, and I'm, the, I'm in the same boat. I've been, I like to kid that I've been in franchise business since the late 1900s. And uh, same, Stan, certainly have heard of you many times and know your work and happy to be here. Well, that's a great start. So we are each president of the other's mutual admiration society, <laughs> and we've got that box checked. <laughs> so let's check another box, Dave. Let's check the box that helps the audience understand how franchising found you, because we know you're not second generation in any franchise families that I'm aware of anyway. So what was the inflection point when and where franchising found you? How did that come about? So I, I spent the first part of my career, half my career in the Fortune 500 world. Out of college, went worked for Frito-Lay, and then I found myself at General Mills. So I was in the food business, consumer packaged food. And I'm an engineer, MBA, kind of coming up the corporate ladder at world-class CBG companies. And I was leading the haagen business, the ice cream business for General Mills. And we were doing deals. We did a deal and put haagen and Ben & Jerry's together. The first deal that I ever did, I, I got the M&A bug and have since done 50 mergers and acquisitions. But the first one I ever did was putting haagen and Ben & Jerry's together into a big distribution agreement. And then later, a lot of consolidation happening in the ice cream business. And we put Nestle's U.S. ice cream business 
and Haagen-Dazs together in another joint venture that was called Ice Cream Partners. So Nestle and us start this new company. We move it out. Nestle was in Ohio. Haagen-Dazs was in Minneapolis. We picked it up, moved it out to San Ramon, which is East Bay of San Francisco, and started this new company. Nestle had kids ice cream. Haagen-Dazs has adult ice cream. Going to go you know, drive synergies, and it really did. But what was left over were some things. And so the international business was left over with General Mills and this shops business, this Haagen-Dazs shops business that was a franchise system. So I'm, I'm the guy, I'm, I'm you know, engaged and did the deal, um, but I'm not going to go out and be a part of this new joint venture, got it set up. But one thing that I did was say, oh, look, there's this ice cream franchise business called Haagen-Dazs Shops. How hard can that be? I put my hand up and I said, look, I want to go run that. That looks kind of cool. Didn't know a thing about franchising. And sure enough, I, I put my hand up and then was in that role about three years. And absolutely fell in love with the model. But boy, I was a newbie. I, I mean, I was walking in and had no idea. At the time, it was a UFOC. I had no idea what was going on, You know what a franchisee was. So this was probably 1999. When I took on my first role as president of Haganah Shops. So we share a little bit of fun in the ice cream business when I spent about a minute or a minute and a half as chief development officer for Maggie Moose oh. at the same time as Nexen Brands was making acquisitions of Maggie's and Marble Slab. Again, interesting parallel, two brands coming together at that time. And it, of course, forced Marble Slab to the top and Maggie's to take the back seat. But, yeah. but two icons there in ice cream and super premium ice cream, not the easiest business in the world to make a buck in, is it? No, it's not. I, I mean, I, I learned so much in those days because, I mean, it was part of General Mills and, and Pillsbury before that. Every year, the senior executives would look at this weird shop business. I mean, there was no retail. These are massive consumer packaged food businesses that have relationships. And you're talking about cube on shelf and just grocery relationships and C-store penetration and all this R&D and innovation sales, you know, at a big scale. That's what you're talking about. No one's talking about small business operations. So it was really every year the senior execs would be like, why do we have this business and what does it do? But really one thing I learned through that was that was a wonderful testing ground. We and and those businesses, we had people that the first movers. So every new product that we ever launched within Haagen-Dazs went into the Haagen-Dazs shops first. When we launched Dulce de Leche, it's a caramel ice cream, my favorite. Even today, when we first launched it, we launched it in shops. When we would try a new anything, a new sandwich, we would launch it in shops. Because it was a great testing ground, you got to really get to see your customer firsthand. The consumer packaged food industry, you don't ever meet your customer. I mean, you're putting a bag of whatever, Old El Paso on the shelf. Yeah, you you meet your, your retail customer. Customer, but you don't meet your end customer. And so the shops business and many of us in franchising, I mean, we're touching the customer. So that for me was exciting as well as I actually was in a store and I was actually interfacing with our end consumer. And I really, for the first time in my life, I'd always been my father before me. I was always in these massive organizations that had 50,000 people. Mm. And now I was actually getting to learn for the first time the challenges of small business. I was learning about the challenges of cash flow, about hiring and retaining people, about site selection and just street level marketing. So for me, it was an absolute fascinating introduction to real business. I mean, the preponderance, as you know, of US businesses are not the big Fortune 500. It's the small businesses that all of us are in. So that to me was, you know, I'd had all the book learning, but boy, to go actually see it firsthand was just fascinating for me. And then the other, the other thing for me was just getting to know these business people. 
you know, and, and a big variety our biggest uh, franchisee also owned a bunch of Nathan's hot dogs. So there were many multi-unit, but there were also just many at the time up and down the street, New York shops or, so that was, that was really fun getting to understand what was important to them, how to communicate clearly with a franchise owner. That to me was also just a massive learning at the time on the first time I led a franchise company. So just great learning. So before I ask you to walk us up from there to the next milestone or two, this is 1999 and you probably right. don't know John Rachi or David Barr yet. So no. who did you turn to for the tutelage and the education that you needed to be able to operate successfully and without getting into peril of any violations of franchise law as you entered this space? The team had been there and in place for a long time. So luckily I had an experienced team. People like Don Yeremovich was my head of operations. Dawn is now in a big operations role at Anytime Fitness. So she knew the business well, our head of development, some of our operations team. And I had a, and a wonderful franchise attorney, a guy named Michael Levitz, who really taught me the ropes. So we had an internal team, small team, but mighty team. And that's who I learned from. Those guys, and they had been in the business, they had been in the franchise business for a while, while it was new to me. You know, I'd led businesses. I, I was a cross-functional business guy that had done M&A, but they were the ones that taught me. And I, and I think a mistake that we made then, and I continue to make, and the, for, I'll tell you about my next couple of brands that I led, was I was not involved in the International Franchise Association. I don't know why back then, but it, I was not much of a networker within franchising. And boy, that was a mistake. And I, and I think certainly your listeners should know this. And if they're not, that is the best way. You know, getting on panels, getting in, on speaking things, just in engaging. Uh, you and I were talking earlier today about our 30 under 30 program. I mean, things like that are just, everyone wants to mentor one another in our business. I love that, but I didn't reach out and I could have, and I should have, but I didn't. So that was certainly learning back then as well. Well, that's a nugget I'm glad you dropped. And we try to drop nuggets along the way so that those who are taking from your experience can benefit from the knowledge that you share. So thank you for putting that out there. So what came next? Where to from there? My next one was a friend who had gotten me on the board of Honey Baked Tan. I did my tour at Hagendas, and then we ended up selling the business. So I, I exited that business and it was part of that exit. And then I moved companies to a big other company called Ecolab, big, again, Fortune 200 company where I led a healthcare division and did a bunch of other M&A, did a massive acquisition of a $8 billion acquisition of a company. But but along the way, for the next five years, I was on the board of Honey Baked Tam. And Honey Baked Tam is a 400 unit, 200 corporate owned, 200 franchise system that sells ham. Uh, you probably are, are familiar with it if you're a ham fan. So that business needed some M&A experience, some strategic help, and someone that knew a little bit about franchising. So I checked those boxes set on that board. And this was a family-owned company, still is, and also family-run for the most part. And the way it was run, it was the founder, a guy named Harry Hansler, 65 years ago, uh, founded the business but he split the company into four different regions and gave one to each of his daughters. So he split the company into four and then they really ran it independently. If you can imagine, same brand, but four different websites, four different supply chains, four different management teams. And so uh, there was all kind of efficiency, as you can imagine, in that business. So they came after me and said, you know what? We would like you to go run it. So they asked me to come in and run the Honey Baked Tam company. And it was a blast for me. So a much bigger business. You have 1,500 employees versus a couple dozen when I was at Hagendas and 400 stores. And so it was really just an absolute blast to get in there. And, and in there, we drove a lot of synergies. We condensed everything, supply chains, collapsed supply chains, really got growth 
going again. That's one thing I did at Hagenas too under in my three year tenure was we were fairly stagnant and I got growth going there. We put Hagenas shops in downtown Disney in Anaheim and Orlando. We put them on the Navy Pier. We began doing partnerships with people like Wetzel's Pretzels. So the same thing happened at Honey Baked Ham. First consolidated the businesses into one and created one leadership team, then got after growth, both digital growth which is really interesting learning and just another nugget. Certainly as many of us today are thinking about omni-channel ways to sell our products or service. So it used to be retail was retail. And so I've been in the retail business one way or another for 35 years. And it seems like everyone's always talking about the demise of retail. It's going to go away. And it never happens. And I don't think it ever will. But there is different ways. And certainly COVID accelerated it to engage in, uh, with a product or a brand or a service through different means. So one thing at Honey Baked Ham that I really got into was we re- significantly expanded our digital business, our online ordering business that at first you might imagine was competing with the retail brick and mortar stores. That was our franchisees hypothesis was, well, gosh, Dave, if you're going to go allow a customer to have a ham show up to their door, it's going to negatively impact my business. And, and one, a reasonable person might assume that, but it was not true at all. What happened was the more people became aware of the brand and were able to order it conveniently, the gold standard to deliver to their door, the gold standard still remained going into the shop, having the experience, talking with someone, engaging tasting the product, all that good stuff. So that learning for me there was pretty significant. And in a sense, I'll tell you another story later about how I believe omnichannel, just getting your brand out everywhere and, and that brand strength. If you can grow an online or an omnichannel just as fast or faster in combination with a brick and mortar retail business. So that was a really fun ride that I went on at the Honey Baked Ham Company. And then I got a call from Pure Bar. So Pure Bars at the time, 450 unit today, probably 500 and or probably 600 by now, boutique fitness business. So I went from ice cream and ham and now over to a boutique fitness business after having turned Honey Baked Ham around and doubling profitability in a matter of a couple of years. So I had a successful exit of that business, thought about retiring and was kind of went through a period in my life. I was thinking about what do I do? Do I serve on boards or do I want to go run something again? Decided I wanted to go run something again and landed a a role at Pure Bar. So that was the next chapter for me. And that year would be what? This now is like 2017, maybe. By the time I did that, 2016, 2017, uh, into 2018, I was there. And that was a business at Pure Bar that the founder had been gone for several years. So it was on its second private equity owner. And the founder had been gone uh, after the first ownership change. And so certainly a lesson that I learned there was the power of a founder and how impactful a founder can be. So I met with the founder. uh, And as they were recruiting me to come be CEO of Pure Bar, I said, you know what, I will come back if we get the founder to come back. So the founder came back. It was wonderful. And this was a business that had some negative same store sales for more than two years, two and a half years of negative same store sales. So one thing that I learned at Honey Baked Ham and Hagen Shops is it took me a little while to pull my management team together. When I walked into Pure Bar, I immediately pulled a wonderful management team together, hiring people from Orange Theory, from Equinox, from Anytime Fitness. I mean, I, I grabbed the best in the business that I could get, built out a leadership team. We really re-engaged the franchisees. Many of those franchisees are still really good friends of mine that I've gotten to know and continue to stay in touch with even after I've been gone. And so quickly got a management team in place 
quickly, building on my learnings of Omnichannel, launched an on-demand version of this boutique fitness exercise called Pure Bar On Demand. I was a little bit ahead of the curve before everybody did it. And then got after the basics, got after excellence in communication with the franchisees, brought innovation. They hadn't had new classes. This is a boutique fitness bar-based fitness class that hadn't had much innovation or any innovation. There was one class. So the founder came back, we invested in training, and we added a bunch of innovation and training and a bunch of, of marketing to, to be more inclusive and invite more people in. And then had some excellent results and got that business turned around as well. So that was the, you know, that was the next chapter. And then had an exit there as well. That business is now owned by Exponential Fitness, one of their 10 brands that they have as a roll-up in boutique fitness and uh, what Anthony Geisler has done there. So I had an exit and again was for the second time in my career thinking, eh, maybe this is it, maybe I'm done. And so this is where my path now crossed with John Rachi and David Barr and the Franworth. Tell us how that looked and we'll walk that into a break. And when we come back from the break, we'll take deeper dives and unpacking that relationship. Sure. So I was thinking this was 2018 now, and I was thinking about, you know, maybe it's time. I've, I've had three successful runs as franchise CEO and a long career in the Fortune 500 land. Maybe it's time to just sit on a few boards. So I had heard of John Rachi. I didn't know him. I mean, knew he's IFA Entrepreneur of the Year, knew of Franworth. And so I actually went to undergrad at University of Michigan. My wife's from Michigan. We decided that we were going to move back to Michigan, and Ann Arbor was our target. So I set up a lunch with John. I'm still CEO of Pure Bar at the time, but set up a lunch with John, just really meaning for it to be a lunch to just say, hey, maybe is there a, a brand that I could sit on the board or just to get to know him because I'm going to move to the same city as him. And then in typical John Rachi fashion, by the end of a four and a half hour meeting, he had offered me the job of the CEO of the Lash Lounge. And I basically said, hey, I've got to go back to Pure Bar and have a conversation about leaving. But boy, that sounded like a really fun thing. Because if you, if you think back, I had led businesses that had been around for decades, were pretty large scale. I mean, haagen is 700 stores, Honey Baked Ham 400, Pure Bar now 600. So I'd led large systems. Well, at the time, the last lounge had, I think, 19 open units. And so for me, it really seemed like a cool opportunity to step into something that was really at the beginning with a wonderful founder and really go make my impact on much more of a startup and incubation, starting something more at the beginning. So that for me seemed super exciting. So I said yes. And, you know, in about April or May of 2018, I joined uh, the Franworth team just just over four years ago. Hannah Phillips is a wonderful entrepreneur, a wonderful woman in business, and just a personally delightful person to know. Oh, it was just, it was wonderful. I have such an affinity to founders. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to meet founders along the way. And I mentioned the the, the experience and relationship I had at Pure Bar with Carrie Dorr. And yeah, and meeting Anna, Anna was a, I mean, a wonderful entrepreneur, you know, basically invented and got kickstarted the whole lashing business. And, and I think seeing the explosion of boutique beauty, I mean, Anna was very much at the forefront of that wonderful person and brave to, to recognize that we had sold several hundred units. Franworth got involved, sold a bunch of units, but knew that she was not equipped to go run a you know couple hundred unit or hundred unit franchise system. And so welcome me in, which is a very difficult thing to do when it's her baby. Now it's played out quite well. So we have more than 120 open. It's it's a, a business that's setting records every month and, and doing phenomenally well. Yeah, but Anna is just absolutely wonderful and adding value every single day at the last line. Let's do this. Why don't we take a quick break right here? And when we come back, let's take a deeper dive now into the focus of what it is that Franworth is doing and also leave room to talk about the new nonprofit side of the business as well. We're talking today with Dave Kyle, president 
and Chief Operating Officer for Franworth. We'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at Zorforum.com. That's www.Zorforum.com. And the conversation continues with Dave Kyle, president of Franworth. Dave, I kind of think of Franworth these days almost like an incubator. Would that be an appropriate description? Stan, I think that's a perfect description of, of who we are. We see ourselves as partnering with founders of emerging brands, of people who have got a wonderful idea, great unilevel economics in a market that is ready to take some growth in it. We partner with founders and we combine their area of expertise. We were just talking about Anna Phillips. So Anna Phillips knows everything about eyelashes as an innovator there, and then wrap around a system of nine different functional areas that we support the growth of a franchise system. So we're very much one, an incubator. You know, private equity in our world will touch businesses, but only after they're more mature. I mean, they, they need three, they need to buy EBITDA. They need to be buy profits and cash flow. And so we're earlier stage than, than uh, private equity. So we are incubating things that are a handful, five or six, 10, maybe 20 units that are built, some in corporate owned only, and some have begun to franchise. And the other thing that's interesting about Franworth is we're not consultants. In fact, we tried that a couple of years ago. We tried to just guide and advise companies and we just weren't built for that. And there are many out there that uh, Michael Side or, or others that go a really excellent at kind of laying out the playbooks and the game plans. But we find that our niche is partnering with founders, actually just coming alongside them and doing and helping grow all the way from franchise development through finance and legal and supply chain and marketing and ops and IT and and all those different functions you need to successfully grow in franchising. But we partner with founders. We're, we own equity in all of our businesses, and we partner to go grow together. So what's the criteria? How does one with an emerging brand match up to the skill sets and requirements that you would have for bringing a brand on board? Yeah, we get several calls a week of potential partners. We believe we're in a unique niche here, so people do know who we are. We, we have people find us from, I'm talking to a brand that just the founder owner went to a talk that I gave at the IFA. We have people that are just calling us. We get a lot of referrals from our existing partners. We get referrals from private equity companies that just are having brands that are too small for them too early stage that need some incubation to use your work. So people find us and we take any conversation. So we want to encourage people if they want to talk, if they're an emerging brand, this company, John Rachi founded it, David Barr co-founded it. Those guys are two of the best franchise mentors in our business. And this company was founded on mentorship. 
we have others in this business. Meg Roberts is on the team. I mean, all of us, I love to mentor others. So we love to talk and mentor emerging franchisors. So I'd love to have a conversation. We have a set of criteria. I mentioned a few of them before. So the founder has got to be wired the right way and want to grow for the right reasons. That's one. Got to have great unit level economics. Even it can be a corporate owned store or two or, or a beginning franchise, but it's got to have really good unit level economics. Uh, and then it's got to be at an end market that can go handle the growth that we're going to bring. We're, we're not interested in just putting on 20 or 30 or 50 units. We want to grow exponentially. So it's got to have a great market. And then when, when we get deeper in with the brand, we do what we call a fit and a needs assessment. So we make sure that on the needs side, that they actually need what it is that we do. So uh, we do things like doing real estate and site selection and helping franchisors build out. We do things like we're many of our brands, six of our brands are membership models. So can we help them with SEO or lead gen and conversion? Do they need help on procurement? We, we have our own procurement arm that does pick and pack fulfillment and procurement. Do they need someone to run their legal or finance teams? So we do an assessment to say, do they need us? And also fit. So for us, not every brand would fit. Some are going to be too mature. Some are going to be too immature and not quite ready to grow yet, or maybe an end market that we don't know enough about. We focus more recently in beauty and wellness, fitness and service-based businesses. So there's some end markets and there's so many out there, 300 some odd end markets, as you know, you know, so some may just not fit for us, but that's how we do it. So it's a, it's, we take again, several calls every week. Many of them just turn into mentoring relationships where we're trying to help or, or connect people with the right potential partner in their season of growth. Or, and others, we take then if we get farther along, we're going through our fit and need assessment to just determine if they're going to be a right fit, both culturally and from a business opportunity perspective. Talk a lot about John Rachi. About 11 or 12 years ago, I met John when he was still running Ducks and Hoods. Mm. And I was in the software business, not yet running FRM, but I think those were my Brand Connect days. And I remember making a trip to Ann Arbor. And when I met John the first time, I knew who this guy was. I knew his heart by the way he reacted to Discovery Days. And he would tell me how it pained him that when it was a discovery day and he'd look from his office through a glass door to the reception area and he would see a father and a son, perhaps, or two guys that were partners coming to learn about buying a job. You know, they would, they'd lost a job and they were here mm -hmm. not because they had, they weren't leaning in, they weren't leaning in proactively with the dream of owning and operating their own business. They were coming because they had to. And mm. and he always talked then about how he just wished he could be part of helping that turn a corner, that a day would come where he, what he was doing was working with people who aspired to do what they're doing, such that we don't have to open a podcast like this ever again to say it's an unintentional means or way of doing business. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so true. So true. And much of how John, I mean, I've gotten to know him. I mean, he really is wired to help and to mentor others. He's wonderful at mentoring franchise oars. So that's where he spends a lot of his time is working with our founders on their visions, on their dreams. He's a multi-time founder himself. Uh, he ran Title Boxing Club and founded Franworth and Ducks and Hoods. The, both of those got him and, and groomed to 300 units. So, you know, he's a unique cat in that regard that he's a founder, but he shares those experiences. He's been there. And so he knows where the hardships are going to come. He can peek around the corner. And, you know, and David Barr is similar. David's uh, oh, no you know, on our board. And, and he, I mean, he's incredible too. He's been more the CEO and the board guy, right? He think he sits on 10 different franchise boards and multi-time CEO, Great American Cookies and others. And same. So David comes at it from a hey, strategic perspective, capital markets perspective, you know, what are the trends? So the, between the
between the two of them and then I'm the operator guy. I'm the day-to-day, let's get stuff done. Let's take that strategy, turn it to action, go align the functions to go uh, get after growth or whatever opportunities are in a business. So yeah, it makes us a good team. And then to have the likes of somebody like, I don't know, Drew Brees as part of your leadership team, come on, where do you go to get any better than this? Yeah, he's a, he's an incredible guy. In fact, we're going, uh, we're meeting next week with our team and, and Drew will be there. Yeah, Drew's incredible a person who's obviously an incredibly talented and first ballot Hall of Famer in the NFL, but he also is just a very astute business person. I mean, he's started with Jimmy John's and he's got sliders and walk-ons and all kind of different businesses and a very, very astute business person who asks excellent questions. Obviously, he's got incredible leadership abilities. But Drew's a big Drew joined our team in 2019. And then we also just brought on a private equity partner just a couple of weeks ago. So we just partnered with Guideboat Capital, a gentleman named Mike Sutton, who leads that enterprise, who has had successful investments in Twin Peaks and Buff City Soap. So he gets it. And we wanted some more capital to go fuel our ability to go partner with more brands. That was a constraint for us is just, we have a very good model, but we needed some fuel to be able to do it. So Guideboat Capital and Mike, we just did that deal back in April. And now, so so he also now compliments our board and our investment committee. So we've rounded it out well. We've got people who are entrepreneurs. We have operators and board people. We have Drew. And, and then now we've got some folks that, that know the capital markets and strategic growth quite well. So we feel like we've really now rounded it out and we're really well positioned for the next season of growth. I think that it goes unsaid, but I'm going to say it anyway, that I think that the single common denominator that I can find between John Rachi, David Barr, yourself, and say Drew Brees is that you all have very steady hands. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I, I think, you know, this, as you know, this is not easy to do, particularly franchising is not easy. It's not easy to be a franchisee. It's not easy to be a franchisor. If you think about us, we're a whole nother level of entrepreneurship. So you've got the franchisee who are their own entrepreneur. You've got a franchisor who are entrepreneurs, and then we're a portfolio of franchisors. So we're three levels of entrepreneurship. So yeah, you. I think that's a, that's a nice compliment. I think that's well said because you have to have a steady hand. You, you can't vary from your strategy. You have to not overreact to things, but you have to be decisive and take action and be a good partner. You've got to be a great partner to your franchise partners. I mentioned before, we own equity in every one of our franchisors and that's important. We really do try to act as, as partners. And then of course, at the end of the day, we're all in the business of making franchisees successful. You know, again, we've got some 500 years of franchise experience on the team that reports to me here. And so these guys have been around long enough and gals know what it's all about. And it's all about having successful and profitable franchisees. A little bit of a double entendre as it relates to Drew. I liked it. Steady, it was good. I, saw, I heard what you did there. It was, uh, it was excellent. <laughs> you know, this is the point in time where I usually ask my guests, is there anything left that I haven't asked you that you wish I would have? And I know the answer to that question here. So I've made an executive decision with a little bit of time that's left. We're not going to try to squeeze the piece of the business that's the newest piece, the nonprofit franchise for good. But instead, I'm going to invite you, if you're willing, to come back for another episode. And let's spend another episode talking all about that. That. Is that fair game? Love that, Stan. I would love that opportunity. I'd really appreciate it. Well, then let's just do the only thing that's left to do and tell the audience how they can get back in touch with you. Great. Yeah, they can check us out on franworth.com. So uh, just refreshed our website with some of our new brands and some videos and fun stuff. And then I'm easy to email. It's Dave, D-A-V-E at franworth, F-R-A-N-W-O-R-T-H.com. 
So thanks, Stan. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you too. I appreciate the work that you're doing. And we should get together too and talk more about some of the work that I'm doing in this space with our mastermind groups at Zor Forum. And I think there's probably just a lot of synergy that we can find amongst each other to continue to help pay it forward as new brands come on board in the world of IFA and franchising. Dave Kyle, can't thank you enough for stopping by today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Stan. Well, that's a wrap for today. Next week, we're back with another restaurant and franchise industry icon when Kevin Basner, CEO of A&W Restaurants, joins us right here on Franchise Today. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.